Governor Hochul's message to migrants, go somewhere else. Mayor Adams' message to New Yorkers, this could destroy our city. Tonight, the first of a Metrofocus two-part special on the migrant crisis in New York that is straining government resources, causing major political problems for elected officials, and driving angry protests across the city. Metrofocus starts right now. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Ramon, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, Estate of Roland Carlin. Good evening and welcome to this special two-part edition of Metro Focus. I'm Jack Ford. New York City has become overwhelmed by an influx of over 100,000 migrants, with more arriving every day. The city has taken extraordinary steps to try to house and assist these migrants, but the city's shelter system is maxed out, and the price tag has climbed up into the billions. Mayor Adams has stated publicly that as of now, if the state and federal governments do not start providing more financial assistance, the crisis could cost New Yorkers upwards of $12 billion and could, quote, destroy New York City. Crisis is also impacting everyday New Yorkers, many of whom are seeing migrants being housed in their very own neighborhoods. And joining us now for some perspective on the ongoing crisis and the impacts having on both New York City and its residents are Stefan Kim, a reporter for WABC in New York, Romelo Heda, who is a community correspondent for Documented, Joe Germanata, some of you might recognize as pop singer Lady Gaga's father, but he is here as an Upper West Side resident and small business owner for his perspective, and Ilza Thielman, who is the director of the nonprofit organization Team TLC NYC that assists migrants and asylum seekers here in New York. So welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a lot to talk about here, and we have different perspectives from all of you that we're looking forward to. But uh, Safan, let me start with you for an overview to, to create the framework for our conversation, if we can. So let, let's talk about this migrant crisis in New York City. How did it start and how did it evolve to what it is now? Well, thank you for having me, Jack. I think we all know how it started. Um, it started with Texas Governor Greg Abbott um, busing these migrants to these uh, democratic uh, sanctuary cities, if you will. Um, I think that we can disagree or agree on whether the tactic uh, was uh, the right way to go about it, but I think certainly uh, the governor has kind of made his point. Um, and I say that because if you look at what's happening in New York, what I found was fascinating is that no matter what community, what neighborhood, which neighborhood you cover, uh, where these shelters go, across the board, whether it's a Democratic neighborhood or Republican, black, brown, yellow or white, uh, unanimously, for the most part, neighbors, residents of New York don't want this in their backyard. And there's a myriad of reasons. But um, I think clearly the point has been made, uh, you know, so to speak, not in my backyard, NIMBY, right? I think mm -hmm. living on the southern border of Texas, the point that he was trying to make is wait till it's your problem. And it became New York City's problem very quickly, as we saw. Ramel, again, as I mentioned, you have been reporting on this yourself, as Safan has. 
um, for a long period of time now. We know that that New York City has has always embraced at some level migrants. Uh, we have a history. You know, we always talk about we are a nation of immigrants. Right. But this is different. Why is this different? Do you think? I think the number of migrants that have been arriving in the past, you know, two years, they have been people were not expecting it, right? And for the reasons that we just mentioned right now, being bust in New York City, but also because social media sort of exacerbated the this idea that New York City has shelters for migrants. And when people consume, you know, the social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram, they see that someone is going to welcome them, right? And it is also part of the pandemic, right? Right after the pandemic, a lot of the countries suffered. And what we see now is the result of that. And we're going to keep seeing it even as we move forward because of so many other elements, such as, you know, climate change, for example, economic reasons, and also persecutions in other countries, uh, such as Venezuela. Uh, Joe and Elsa, let me bring you both into the conversation for your perspectives as residents. And Joe, I'll start with you if I could. Give us a sense of what you are seeing in your neighborhood with regard to um, this the influx of migrants. Well, <clears throat> the most you know the most significant thing is everything happened overnight. Uh, there was no notification to the residents of what was happening. They moved out. It was a college dormitory prior to being a, an asylum hotel, and they moved all the college students out. And they um, brought new, all new mattresses, et cetera, et cetera, into the building. And then basically they dropped 500 to 600 Venezuelan men into the location. And it was chaos. Overnight, um, the partying started, the drugs, the alcohol, the, um, there were motorbikes everywhere in the street. So it became a little chaotic and, and quite frankly, all the neighbors in the neighborhood got together and we started a block association. And, and let me come back to something that you mentioned. So so there was no, at least certainly from your perspective, there was no notice that this was going to be taking place in your neighborhood before it actually occurred? Nothing formal. We heard it from one of the old uh, single room occupancy residents in that location. And, you know, we're quite friendly with him because I've been up there 30 years and I know him for 30 years. And he stopped me and he said, hey, Joe, I think I think we're all getting kicked out of here and migrants are coming in. That's how we learned. All right. And, it, go ahead, Joe, finish your thought. I don't... No, they, and, and, you know, it, it was quite disturbing. OK, I mean, if we were able to prepare for it, it probably would have been an easier transition. We were initially told it was going to be women and children. And then it turned out to be, you know, Venezuelan men, 16 to, you know, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, as a result of what we have done, they moved all the men out and they brought in women and children. All right. And there's significant difference. Okay. Elza, let me come to you. And, and let me ask you first, tell us a little bit about the organization that you are are working with here and what its 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 function its purpose has been 
Thanks so much for having me, Jack. I really appreciate it. Yes, I'm the director of Team TLC NYC, which is a Grannies Respond group. Grannies Respond is an organization that is nationwide um, that greets uh, asylum seekers on their way from detention to their sponsors or to wherever they ultimately will wind up um, and assist them along their way. So uh, Team TLC had been doing that for several years. Um, when suddenly we discovered that we were going to be doing more than just greeting people and assisting them along the way. And we were basically uh, in charge of taking care of hundreds of people who were arriving daily. Um, so that's what we became. And did this have the suddenness for you that Joe has described for us? It, it has. It really has. And we went from having just a few volunteers uh, doing a little bit, you know, just meeting a few people a week to literally having to find housing, transportation, food, clothing for hundreds and hundreds of people, sometimes 500 people in a day. And it was partly because the uh, governor of Texas planned it that way. Uh, it was very much a, a um, an ambush on his part for political reasons, but also because the city has not been very good about its own communication. Um, it does not surprise me that Joe has had this experience in his neighborhood. The communication has been very poor from the city government with respect to where they're going to be housing people and how they're going to be handling this crisis. Um, but I would disagree with something that was said earlier, um, that um, pretty much universally people don't want these folks in the city. My experience in running this charity that serves these folks has been that the people of New York, perhaps not the city uh, government, but the people of New York have been extremely welcoming, generous, kind, and um, and, and and very, very uh, loving towards these people. So um, I would take issue with that as a general matter. Of course, there are NIMBY issues and in people's neighborhoods where they, um, as Joe has experienced, they were surprised by a complete change in the um, in the makeup of the neighborhood and, and things need to be handled better by the city. Um, but um, my experience has been that the city has indeed been quite welcoming. Let's talk about the city and how it's handling this, all right? And, and uh, Stefan, I'm gonna come to you first on this. Uh, we have seen Mayor Adams um, in the forefront uh, attempting to deal with this. And we, we seem to have seen a, a bit of a change. Maybe that's a, a fair characterization, but I'll ask you all about those who's been covering it in, in terms of perhaps the substance of what he's been saying, but certainly the tone of what he's been saying. So, Savan, you first. How have you seen the, the, this Mayor Adams in terms of how he is dealing publicly with this situation? Right. So uh, just to follow up, though, on what Joe and Izzy said, um, they're not wrong. The, the lack of notification, that's part of this answer, right? Um, the suddenness. And that in any neighborhood you go to, whether it's the residents or the elected officials, state or city level, Democrat, Republican, will all tell you there was a lack of notification. And in fact, the city doesn't deny that. They don't ex ex explicitly acknowledge it. But their response tends to be, look, this is a fluid situation. These buses are coming without any notice and we are doing the best that we can do. So let's put that out there that the city doesn't really deny that there is a lack of notification. That said, this is a federal problem. And when you talk to immigration experts who are independent of City Hall, they will say basically two things, that the city has done a pretty admirable job at, at scaffolding out an immigration system at a federal level that doesn't exist. It's not easy to do, and it's extremely expensive, which is why the mayor has been saying we need more money. Um, but uh, you can see how he sort of evolved to answer your question, Jack, on his tone, right? He went from April of last year to 
you know, started to take a hard turn towards the White House, putting this at Joe Biden's doorstep. And as you saw recently, he escalated those attacks and it was Governor Hochul who reportedly brokered some sort of a, a deal with the White House to alleviate the problem. So the mayor's taken, you know, as you can see, a, a sort of escalating his attacks against the White House because this has become a city problem when it really shouldn't have been to begin with. Now, I'm going to get to in a moment the tensions there because you did a piece on it. And I want to toss to it. But uh, Ramel, to you, uh, as you've been following this and again, following the mayor uh, at the podium, talking about this and being out on the street, uh, it, it, boots on the ground, if you will. Were you surprised to hear him fairly recently say this could this crisis could destroy New York City? No, I think we saw it coming because since last year, you know, he has been hinting at this idea of uh, having the right to shelter not apply to asylum seekers and migrants that arrive here. And we saw with implementation of the respite centers, right, which were allocating people in congregate spaces that didn't really meet the the requirements of the right to shelter for, you know, housing homeless people. So we did see it coming. And now, you know, taking the right to shelter to court as well, uh, we can see that the shit very clear that there is this sort of, you know, uh, response against migrants coming here because there's uh, a lot of economic sort of uh, downfall that has happened in the past, you know, two years, right? And we sort of see this with the budget that he has projected for the next three years being $12 uh, billion. Uh, but one thing I would say is, you know, we need to question to see how this sort of like no big contracts have been being handled because if we're handling $4 billion to companies and they're charging three times the amount that they should be charging for the services, then it really questions, you know, if we are operating in this emergency response, we need to address that first before we can actually start blaming, you know, this uh, this thing on the migrants and homeless people in general, I would say. Yeah, they are frightening numbers, but as you said, we can dig into those frightening numbers and find out what they mean. And I'll come back to it because both Ilza and Joe, I saw you both shaking your head, nodding yes about that. Uh, Stefan, to you again, I, I mentioned you did a story talking about the tensions that we're seeing between governmental officials. Let's take a, a look at a quick bite of this if we can. I think the governor's wrong. Mayor Adams came out swinging today in mid-season form, and that was just round one. I am just really baffled around that... Um, very smart people believe that this is sustainable for New York City. His first comments at a fireside chat at the New York Law School about Governor Hochul refusing to force other counties to take in asylum seekers. Then later at City Hall, the cracks in their partnership apparently deepening. The Department of Homeland Security yesterday offered 11 federal sites, many outside the city, to potentially house migrants. This was Governor Hochul last week on housing migrants upstate. The city of New York and a coalition for the homeless signed an agreement that the city would provide shelter to anyone who seeks it. This is an agreement that does not apply to the state's other 57 counties, which is one of the reasons we cannot and will not force other parts of our state to shelter migrants. If the national leaders are saying, we're not going to stop the flow, that's a failed plan. And if the state leaders are saying it must stay in New York City, that's a failed plan. When asked if he would go against the governor and send migrants upstate, the mayor made his intentions crystal clear. If I get permission from the federal government, we're going to use that. We are going to use any space that's available to take the pressure off of New York City residents. A spokesperson for the governor says, quote, it is unfortunate the mayor is pointing the finger at the state, which continues to provide the city with unprecedented amounts of financial support support rather than working collaboratively to manage this crisis. 
Safan Kim, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. So th this piece was actually a, a few weeks ago. Um, are, are you seeing any changes in the tensions here, either ratcheted up or ratcheted down since you first did that piece? Of course, uh, after President Biden was in town for the UN General Assembly, uh, again, reportedly that Tuesday night he was in town, he met privately briefly with Governor Hochul. Again, it's important to note that it was Governor Hochul, it seems, to sort of brokered this because tensions were so high between City Hall and the White House. Um, but essentially, the president granted uh, one of the two or three things that the mayor's been pleading for, in fact, right? And that expedited work permit was one of those things. And, and he got that. And that is expected to alleviate quite a bit of the burden on the shelter system, which, by the way, was already over flooded to begin with, right? That's kind of to answer an earlier question, how we got here, right? The shelter system was already over flooded. And then you throw this onto it. It's like throwing gasoline on a fire. Um, and so hopefully the, the thought is that with 30 days, 60 days, this will start to alleviate that problem. And I think from a political standpoint, uh, Mayor Adams sees this as, let's be real, a, uh, an issue that could have um, derailed his reelection. He's got two years now to kind of recover from that. And I think he's thinking he's got some space to breathe here. Joe, uh, from your perspective here, when you see all of, of this, uh, this disagreement, even squabbling, whatever you want to call it, amongst the officials, uh, what, what's your reaction to all of that? What would you want to say to them if you had all of them in one room? Well, <clears throat> the first thing I would want to say to them is that, you know, they're, they're spending money hand over fist and they're giving away no bid contracts. I've seen one of them um, and they basically paid a location $1.8 million to get the site ready. And now they're paying them $600 a night per room. In addition, the location, the migrants in the location are getting uh, free food every day, a laundry service, medical staff on site. Uh, there's a social worker there, et cetera. I mean, we have, we still have, you know, some regular people that live out on the street that don't have access to this. All right. And that's, that's why the money is being, um, it's being thrown away. Huh. All right. I mean, what they should do is, you know, after this immediate crisis is over, they should give out short term contracts. They're handing out two year contracts with these big fat numbers associated with them. If I was a hotel or a dormitory, I would grab it as fast as I could. Yeah. It, yeah. It was a, it was a, let me get your reaction to this, because I know doing what you're doing and the, the good work you're doing to try to help get through this. I'm sure you see people who are thanking you. And I see, I'm sure you see people who are saying, why, why are we doing this at all in the city? As Joe mentioned, there are people out there who are working every day who don't have the life. This is the argument that is made that don't have a good quality as many of the migrants may well be getting here. So the question is, what do you say to other New York City residents who are troubled by that? Yes, I mean, I think that there has been perhaps an intentional effort to sow some discord between the uh, asylum seekers and ordinary New Yorkers, and indeed, uh, ordinary unhoused New Yorkers. There has been an effort to pit these these people against each other. Um, and uh, the, there's a, there's some misinformation out there about what exactly the migrants are receiving for these very, very fat, lucrative contracts that, that mm -hmm. for 
profit companies are receiving with no bid and no oversight. Um, what we have seen and what we have heard from the migrants that we assist is that what is going on inside these shelters and inside these hotels and inside what are called HERCs, uh, Humanitarian Emergency Resource and Response Centers, I believe is what that stands for, is very different from what is being uh, uh, publicized and what is being told to the public. Um, yes, people are making, uh, companies, for-profit companies are making a lot of money to house and feed these people. But what they are getting is oftentimes very, very uh, different from what one would hope to receive for that kind of a, a, a price tag. Um, these these companies, and there is there is um, there is uh, a four hundred and thirty two million dollar no bid contract that was given to a company called DocGo that is completely unqualified to transport, house, and feed asylum seekers. It's created as a, a vaccination company during COVID, and it was handed over this extremely lucrative contract that some say the company expects to gain $300 million in profit. Now, if they are profiting that much from a contract, you can be sure that what people are receiving on the other end, the people, the migrants who are receiving this supposed uh, largesse is not what anyone want, would want to receive or see or see people in need to receive. Yeah. I have seen photos of the hotels that these people have been put up in, in, in Buffalo and upstate, and it is a disgrace. I've seen photos of the meals that these people are receiving, and they are a pittance. So unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there that is pitting ordinary New Yorkers against this very, very vulnerable And not surprising. This is a very complex and nuanced issue. Uh, Stefan, let me bring you to another story that you did, because it, it gets us to this conversation about shelters. Uh, well, you took a look at Staten Island, uh, Staten Island on, on some of the, the uh, temporary shelters that were being put up there. Let's take a quick look at this. So all gonna sleep at night when little kids start getting raped and you allow this not here. Not anywhere. Get lost. Go home. Where's the children? You're not welcome. As buses arrived in this conservative residential neighborhood on Staten Island to unload migrants, protesters unloaded their fury. Go home. Their simmering anger even aimed at the NYPD. Nobody stands with NYPD anymore, now you know why. Dozens of asylum seekers were bused to a former Catholic school for housing here. Hundreds of residents started protesting overnight. Three of them arrested for obstructing governmental administration. Common sense, decency, and what this country should be all about. And hours after migrants arrived, residents with a short-lived victory. A judge granted a temporary restraining order blocking the city, only to be reversed hours later when the city won its appeal. The mayor's office says it empathizes with residents and is reminding them this is a federal problem that can only be solved by Washington. The city says it is out of options. We're Christians, we're Americans, we're patriots. We have compassion for these migrants. We love people, but we just want to make sure our children are safe. The plan is to house about 50 asylum seekers here, women and families, no single men. 20 of them left, though, because they say they felt unsafe after being heckled and jeered. In the Arrow Car section of Staten Island, Stefan Kim, Channel 7, Eyewitness News. So after doing that story, what did you learn that maybe you didn't know coming into the story? 
Um, I, I think you talked about the former Catholic school in Staten Island, right? Um, look, so the first thing is that Catholic school, um, it was supposed to be women and children. Um, the numbers weren't extraordinarily large. Uh, I think in the beginning, it was about a couple dozen were, were bust in. Um, you saw the opposition, the, the protests. Um, look, again, some of the language being used. You, you might see this characterized differently from different neighborhoods, but it's sort of the same feeling. Um, and I don't mean to broadly mischaracterize all New Yorkers, right? I'm talking about these these neighborhoods and the outer boroughs, particularly where, to your point earlier, Jack, um, you can go to, like, for instance, in Coney Island, where this happened, uh, black and brown neighborhoods, they raised that, well, we're, we're having our own issues, right? So it, it's sort of the same, uh, different motivation, but same sort of result, right? Like, take care of us first. In Staten Island, you hear Americans first, right? It's, it's different language, different verbiage, but really sort of the same sentiment as kind of what I'm trying to hit at here. And um, right around that time, we saw the mayor, um, in fairness, trying to do things to discourage uh, the flow, right? The migrants are choosing New York City for a reason. They're not choosing to go to California. New York City has this decades old uh, right to shelter law, which depending on who you ask, may be being misinterpreted. And the this, this city of New York uh, did go before a judge to try to change that definition. Was it ever meant to, to handle a crisis where you have a million people pouring over the border? Some would argue maybe not. Um, he's also have the time that they can stay in these shelters for single adult men and women and children had an indefinite stay that uh, it's something he's considering shortening as well. So, um, you know, right after that, that protest erupted on Staten Island, which um, you can describe it how you will, there was a couple of things the administration did to try to discourage um, migrants from choosing New York to begin with. One of the things um, that that we have seen is one of the efforts, and and uh, Ramel, I'll ask you to jump in real quick on this for me, if you will. Is uh, we've seen now that New York City is, and this is consistent with Safan just said to us, they're getting flyers around the border, saying to people down there, "Don't come to New York. It's not affordable. It may not be the place you want to be." Are you surprised to see that the city is taking that step? Uh, no, I think, you know, just because the tone of the past year and a half has been sort of like discouraging people to come here. But the thing is, regardless of what happens, regardless of, you know, what gets inputted, like New York City has been this, you know, city that has been always welcoming migrants and people will come here regardless, you know, of what the circumstances are. Um, now, would I say that it's the right approach to put flyers in the border? Probably not. You know, I think if anything, we need to sort of, you know, get to prioritize, you know, making sure that we have this um, this path from like on, from uh, temporary housing to sustainable housing. Right. Because as we mentioned before, the shelter system was already overcrowded with, I believe, 46,000 people even before the migrants started arriving. And right now we have 57,000 people that are you know, not migrants and that are in shelters. So it keeps increasing. And it's because we don't have this structure helping them leave the shelter system in the first place. Tune in tomorrow night as we cover the community outrage and angry protests erupting outside shelters as cameras take us inside one of the facilities for a look at the conditions. Mm -hmm.